Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. Ben Pozzi is the Vice President of Marketing at HPG, one of the largest promotional products suppliers in North America, comprising 10 specialist brands, including Hub, Orgaudio, Debco, and more. Ben's a hybrid analytical creative thinker. He has a background in industrial design and has over a decade of experience leading ambitious design brand and marketing campaigns. His experience has ranged across multiple industries, including media publishing, e-commerce, event production, fashion, electric bikes, and has included time at Series A startups, nonprofits, and more. As an industrial designer, Ben's a unique marketer, solving problems through the lens of design, development, and strategy. He leads a large team at HPG, and he's passionate about sustainability. And just one of his previous successes includes leading a global marketing campaign partnership with Timberland that generated more than a billion media impressions. He has four Pyramid Awards for branding, marketing campaigns, and technology development. Ben was born in Bristol, UK, before becoming a permanent U.S. resident in 2010 and is now based in the San Francisco Bay Area. Hi, friends. I'm Bobby Leehu, Commonscape's Chief Content Officer. Today, I chat with Ben about his team, his team structure, how they prioritize projects with so many brands, how industrial design impacts his marketing strategy, his tech stack, and I ask for his best advice for both suppliers and distributors when it comes to marketing excellence. By the way, yesterday we opened registration for Product Summit Holiday and Gifting. Product Summit is a fresh take on product education combining real-world learning, on-trend product ideas, and stories from pros in the trenches. The purpose of the Product Summit is to elevate how we think about product experiences in the industry, as well as equip you with cutting-edge product ideas. And here's the best part. It's designed with your busy life in mind. It's jam-packed with fresh insight and the latest in product trends, all in only three short hours. Invite your team to join us for this virtual experience on September 14th from 2 to 5 p.m. ET. You can register at commonskew.com slash product summit. Today's episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the work from anywhere platform that powers your connected workflow, enabling you to process more orders and dramatically grow your sales. To learn more, visit commonskew.com. Now here's my chat with Ben. Ben, $250 million in revenue, 10 brands, over 15,000 products, seven facilities, different cultures, time zones. I mean, come on. Let's start with the mind-blowing topic of how you set and manage priorities through your team. Can you start by explaining your team structure to us? Yeah, so we have about 18 people, and we split the team into three. So there's a creative team, most of which is based here in California. And then we have a channel team that's really all about optimizing our channels that are more objective. And then we have a brand team. And uh, the brand team, each member manages one or two brands, uh, sometimes four, just depends. And uh, the way I kind of think of it is we have a left brain with the uh, channel team, a right brain with the creative team, and then the brand team are just kind of everything else, the eyes, the voice, the limbs, you know, they're kind of doing it. Right. 
the external. So these, so these project managers, or what did you call them, brand managers, where they're over one of the particular brands, um, let's say Batch and Bodega, and they then re- will represent that brand to you and the creative team for all the needs that you have for that brand. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can think of them like a project manager. They've got to make sure they'll, they'll do a lot of copywriting. They've got to collaborate yeah. with the ops team, sales teams. They've got to, yeah, just kind of represent the brand and yeah. uh, pull the campaigns go out successfully. Yeah. How do you determine priorities with so many competing priorities? I mean, how do you determine which brand gets the most attention? How do you determine, is that a sales driven conversation or just a demand driven conversation? It definitely fluctuates, but I'd say in general, we just follow the money, like what's what's going to make the biggest financial impact for HPG. So, uh, but um, the way we set up, we found a lot of efficiencies by having teams operate across all of them, with a lot of processes uh, that, that yeah. help us. So we don't have to make too many compromises. Uh, we're very rarely saying, do we do this or this? Uh, it's okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, what have you learned about structuring a team the way that you have? I mean, you've you've had a couple iterations of doing other things too. So what do you think has been most valuable as you reorganized or organized the HPG marketing structure? I'd say like uh, uh, one thing I, I go on about to my team is you need strategy, people, and process. Uh, if those are the three key pillars. And if you're failing in one, you're failing in all. Uh, I think the first year I came, we were really focusing on hiring the team. Uh, and, and making sure that the existing team were doing the right jobs. As, as we went along, especially through COVID, because the team shrunk a bit, process became so key because we were all doing so little with less, uh, yeah. or so much less. And, uh, and yeah, strategy has kind of, we've always had strategy that's just got more sophisticated over time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, yeah, so I think that, um, uh, yeah, and the other thing I'd say that we do well here that helps has helped a lot is we have uh, regular, we call them ROCKS meetings. It's based on the Rockefeller Institute where they kind of have big hairy goals for the year and they make them, make them into smaller uh, ROCKS for each quarter. And then each person would own a piece of that. And then we kind of update those each month. So we have those, kind of, those projects where you kind of have to force yourself to find time for. Uh, that rocks exercise has really helped. So we've really strengthened over time uh, in, in yeah. part because. Yeah, entrepreneurship is a word you introduced me to. What does that mean to you? I picked up from, I worked at Sustainable Brands. Uh, and the context of that is sometimes you have a sustainability champion. Uh, and there was a book, a little book, it was like the Entrepreneur's Handbook that they used to give up. But it doesn't have to apply to sustainability. It's really just about being a change agent uh, at your business, you know, mm-hmm. how can you, uh, you know, we work in these corporate environments and sometimes things are done that just because that's the way they've always been done. And if you have an idea to make it better, uh, you could be an entrepreneur and figure out how to, uh, you know, change things for the better. That, um, that actually is a, a fascinating way to take a what can be seen as a problem and, and obstinacy in a business and turn it on its head and realize that you're just iterating from the inside out on entrepreneurship. It's a very positive psychological term. I remember at school, we had a talk where someone talked about uh, the three P's or the four P's. And it was kind of, are you a prisoner or a passenger or a participator? Those are the ones that uh, kind of stick out to me. 
And there are those people sometimes who are in a corporate environment they're like, why do we do this? It's so dumb. It's never going to work. And those are the prisoners. Uh, and then the, the passengers just kind of cruise along like, oh, clock in, clock out. But what you really want, you need passengers. Uh, you don't need prisoners. Uh, but you do need those participants that are kind of like fully engaged and always yeah. looking for ways that we can improve uh, yeah. and, um, in small and large ways. So, yeah, yeah. So much more positive, you know. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. Um, with HPG, you have accumulated, merged, acquired multiple brands um, through the years. How do you create one brand voice through so many different unique product experiences? I would assume that that's a perennial challenge or a big challenge or was a big challenge as you integrate more brands. But but how do you do that? Well, honestly, I think it's a, it's a strength, not a weakness that we have these different brands and voices. So... Um, and I think it would be, yeah, it's, it's a missed opportunity. And, and the last thing you want to be, what HPG wants to be is the monolith. Like, this is how we do things and how we talk about mm, things. Right. Uh, and, and strategically, it's smart, I think, because we're sending out like 12, 14 emails a week. If they all look the same and sounded the same, like yeah. our subscribers would go. If, if they all feel fresh and different and unique and, you know, they feel like you're coming from different brands. So, the, so then the challenge becomes like, Yes, but they do need to somehow nod back to HPG. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so the, where where we focus is like standards. Like photography needs to be in a certain standard. Can all look different, but the standard needs to be up there. Same with the copy and the you know the intelligence of the campaigns and those kinds of things. So we kind of lean into the lean into the uniqueness or the personality of these different brands. And I think yeah. it's all, it also makes sense because I mean we have our footprint is all over North America. Like we have. In Toronto, Montreal, Texas, Boston, and and these these are all like areas where people have very distinct personalities. So to try yeah. and tell a Texan you need to be more Californian, like good luck with that conversation. Like that's going nowhere, uh, and, uh, and 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 nor should it be, you know. And and Tex, the best team in Texas, force of nature. They have this. We say yes, and and they just get stuff done for customers all day, every day. Like yeah. that works so well for them uh, that why why try and temp temper any of that? It's just so bold. Yeah. Like go for it. Like and um, yeah. yeah, and that's one of the fun parts of working here is you can kind of take these attitudes or tidbits or tips and kind of roll them out everywhere and take the best. That, that's really the game of HPG is how do you make the sum equal more than its parts? And I feel like every every year every month we kind of find different ways of doing that. Yeah, that's really cool. So you really respect the individual footprint or the individual um, personality of each of those brands. And there's somewhat some autonomy, it sounds like, with some of these brands, um, as opposed to treating HPG like the big headquarters that's going to dictate everything. You're respecting the individuality of each of those brands. Yeah, there's always, yes. I think there's a positive tension there too, because we, we've had to earn our stripes um, and there's it's easy to... You know, stigmatize all these like Bay Area types. Think they can do better than us, and we, we really are humble and have no ego. And all of these businesses were very access, very successful when when they were acquired. Yeah. So it's just sort of like, well, what can we learn from you? And what can how, how, what yeah, that's cool. And then then over time, we kind of say, well, we tried this over here. Do you want us to try this for you guys? And it can be very organic. Yeah.
Great attitude. That's a great attitude about it. Um, I know you have a whole team with you and behind you, and but but here's what HPG's chief revenue officer, Trina Bicknell, said, and I quote, Ben Posey makes all my dreams come true. <laughs> so what is the role of marketing as you would define it for a company like HPG? Uh, KTH, keep Trina happy. That's the... Uh, that's the <laughs> Um, I think uh, I think that I'm biased, obviously, but I think sometimes marketing is this sort of amorphous part of the company that no one really understands. And uh, um, my attitude is kind of like, how do we how do we drive business? How do we differentiate ourselves? And really, if you boil it down all the way, uh, marketing's job is to drive leads to sales. And uh, uh, if yeah. you're doing, you know, over time, we can drive more. And warmer leads, uh, then we should feel good about ourselves. So, uh, if Trina's happy, that means sales are going well. And if they're bad, then they're not. Um, and um, and Trina's really bright. Like she comes, she's really smart and so in tune with the um, industry. Like when COVID happened, it was her idea. Like we really need to get on this virtual trade show. Uh, you know, we need to do virtual. And I was kind of like, I, I want to do it, but I don't want to do slides and a headshot we should do something else and she was like go for it and it that ended up being like a really successful thing but trina it's trina's idea and then we just layered our whatever it is on top and and, and made it different and yeah uh, uh led to led to lots of positive things so there's lots of things like that where i think that's what which, which means my dream come true is that she'll have yeah, these ideas yeah. and we'll make, them, we'll make them real for her yeah. Well, since we're on the subject of Trina, um, she helped correct me about something and that in the industry, private equity gets a lot of shade thrown its way. But when it comes to iterating or developing, there's a tremendous benefit to having vested private equity companies who also have experience in other industries and other voices. And in many ways, just like you said, all of these disparate companies that are under the HPG umbrella bring experience to you, just like private equity might. How else have we gotten private equity wrong? There are definitely bad private equity firms and good ones. Um, but right. how I how I reconciled it in my mind is that they're essentially just house flippers for businesses. And mm -hmm. if you are a house flipper, there is a way you do it where you just strip everything and put the cheapest beige paint you can, and then you just try and sell it on. But the smart ones, they'll upgrade the kitchen, they'll add the extension, and they'll try they'll figure out the way to get the best return. Um, and that's right now, HPG is owned by an amazing private equity firm. And as you said, they have this kind of much broader uh, perspective over business or the economy. And, and they have an yeah. amazing, very bright team of people that give us tons of advice and resources and all sorts of things. So that, there's that there too. But, uh, um, but yeah, I think that, I mean, uh, our private equity firm has transformed Debco. Like Debco is like these three kind of, warehouses and they were trucking things between each other now they have this like beautiful facility it's all in one building yeah. with mixy like without uh without uh, our private equity fund we wouldn't uh have uh, been able to upgrade them so much and uh, that's happened in a number of different locations um, yeah that's cool yeah, so, so good ones invest in the and, and the other thing i'd say is they're not dispassionate you know they they, they uh yeah. they understand that you need a happy workforce to uh, you know, and happy owners and those kinds of things to be um, successful too. And yeah, and they just kind of 
they're more evolved. I think I think all, people think of private equity and associated with like eighties Wall Street or something, and no, actually, like they've evolved. It's a great point. Like, as us, you know. And, yeah. Uh, HPG has this big reach. Um, and every time I interact with somebody like Trina, like you, uh, like Chris, um, there's a very personable company. How do you explain HPG to your friends or maybe to a new distributor? Uh, to friends, I try and say it, it's like the Avengers of promo because like we have these kind of very different experts. You know, Hub is king of pens, you know, or queen of pens. And um, and best does coolies better than anyone. So, uh uh, so HPG's this, you know, mishmash uh, trying to trying to uh, help the uh, promo world. Uh, but to distributors, I'd probably just say that you know, a, I don't know, a elite collective of expert hard goods suppliers or something very uh, yeah like. yeah. Or go with the Avengers one. I don't mind. <laughs> here's a, here's one of my toughest questions of the, of the day. What can you yeah. tell us about Chris Anderson? that uh we don't know that you've learned from him and do you think you can put in a good ride for me to get a plane ride someday <laughs> i wasn't sure I, I couldn't read chris initially i wasn't sure if he was because uh, he's very he's like a business titan like he's done yeah he's mm -hmm. successful uh and similar to like you know is he is he a wall street kind of a person but he's just right. so nice and uh he's got He's got an anecdote, a story, or a pearl of wisdom for any topic. So you, right. you, know, you don't need like one car ride with Chris, and you'll, you know, essentially have it <laughs> whatever the topic was. So, uh, so yeah. So I'd say uh, I was surprised by how how high is EQ, considering how high his IQ is. You know, like mm, very uh, yeah, it's cool. really good reading people. Uh, yeah. It's very cool. What do you wish people knew about HPG, HPG that is hardly known but really worth talking about? Um, I think the footprint thing's interesting. You know, like, like we don't, um, we haven't just created this, you know, monolith and we're changing everything. So I yeah. think that's interesting. Um, also, say our tools, like we, we've app, we've developed apps for distributors uh, to to really help them uh, get virtuals made quickly. So we have a patented. I can go into that later, but we have a patented set of tools that um, really yeah. and the more people know that, the better. And then the other thing is, we are churning out so much content, and we put it all on our website. There's a media library with photos, videos, and flyers, and that's always, always being updated. So you should never run out of stuff to promote, or angles, or ideas for pictures yeah. uh, if you check out hpgbrands.com. Um, yeah, that's cool. Um, Let's talk a little bit about sustainability because I know it's a big initiative and I know it's actually a big passion project for yours. Very few might know of your background with sustainable brands. Can you explain that experience and how it helps you today? So I, I, moved, I moved to America in 2010 and uh, still pretty young and it was right after 2008. So I ended up, uh, and I was really passionate about sustainability already. Uh, so I was like the eighth employee and I was unpaid and then I got a thousand bucks a month stipend and and, and sustainable brands was, was basically trying to do ted uh you know ted talks mm. ted events mm. uh but they were convening uh the business leaders designers sustainability professionals marketing professionals all, all, all in these kind of uh meetings uh and conferences um and um it was just incredibly inspiring because you have some of these some of the brightest minds most successful people all in a room just like how do we how do we figure this out like uh yeah uh, and um, and so I was there for the six years and had a few different roles. So 
I would do just the creative stuff for a while. So like the event backdrops or graphic design or web design and those sorts of things, uh, but took on uh, the digital arm of the business. So we were publishing a lot of news articles. So sustainablebrands.com has brand new corporate sustainability news pumping out every day. And uh, I had to kind of figure out how to make a business out of that. Um, and uh, so that was fun. And then we, um, I also had a side project there to, to create a startup competition. So we had all the kind of elites, mm. often the best ideas come out of these small yeah. buggy startups. And it's like, well, if we can match, if we can shine a light on them and maybe match make at the conference, it could be a big deal. So we sort of had a, a shark tank type thing at the conference and that ended up being one of the most popular uh, in terms of sponsorship and attendance of things. It, it became a, a successful and we did it in a few different countries and, and that's where I met Thread. Uh, so that's where I... Um, yeah, what is Thread? So the, uh, Thread's a social enterprise uh, working in the poorest countries in the world. And their, their whole thing is like, the only way to fight poverty is to give someone a job. Um, and mm-hmm. in a lot of these places, uh, there is a job to go and collect plastic bottles. Um, and you can earn a reasonable wage if you do that well and are supported. Um, and so Thread was taking this trash from the poorest parts of the world and then turning it into fabric and selling the, 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 the yarn or the, or the fabric to the, the largest apparel brands in the world. And so they were kind of connecting all of those things. Uh, so it's a social enterprise with this really strong environmental win. And uh, so I, I joined their team and I did a bit of um, sales and marketing for them. And uh, I was like, uh, you know, I, I joined... Basically, I knew the guys because because of the startup competition at Sustainable Brands, and they got some funding, and they said, "Do you want to come do this?" So I moved to Pittsburgh, and, and um, had a great time. Like, just amazing people. I'm still friends with them, and yeah, um, yeah they do great things. They're still around. Very cool. Yeah. Regarding sustainability and HPG, um, how does sustainability? I know this is a big question, but how does sustainability fit into the HPG immediate and long term future? Um, can you give us a glimpse into the priority of sustainability and HPG's values? Because marketing is at the tip of the spear when it comes to priorities that a company sets. Marketing is usually driving those priorities. Well, uh, you should tell Chris. Big that. question. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if we drive many of the uh, initiatives, but I'd say that we. Um, yeah, Chris is on the PPAI uh, sub. He's on the PPAI board and on the, um, the subcommittee of sustainability. So we're sort of really. Uh, uh, trying mm-hmm. to be on the forefront of this industry-wide. And then HPG, uh, uh, on the social side, we've been ahead for a long time, thanks to Jing Rong, our VP of su- supply chain. Like We have boots on the ground in China where the vast majority of our products are made. So we have a sense of social compliance and you know workers being treated fairly and uh, you know all that good stuff. Uh, we've, we've been good. Uh, and on the environmental side, as you know, it's like a very big, uh, broad subject. So um, uh, we're doing more on the product side. And thankfully, that's because of customer demand. So yeah, the way I think of like sustainability within our industry is, is through the lens of life cycle analysis. So uh, my background is in industrial design, and they would teach us about, about LCA. And the idea is like, uh, if I really strip it down, you can kind of think of the product's life in terms of sourcing and then manufacturing and then the use and then disposal. Uh, and where you, what you, where you want to start is thinking about where's the biggest impact, where's the, where's the most harm done 
and that's where you want to spend most of your time. So if you're a car yeah. company, you could look at the manufacturing of the car, but really the use of the car is where most of the carbon's emitted and those kinds right. of things. So within the context of the promo industry, and not just promo, but within HPG, uh, we're sort of all over the place because you could look at Best and they're cutting, sewing and making coolies in the USA. So manufacturing is like great and local, you know, locally sourced coolies, essentially. Um, Mixie brew all of their uh, sanitizer and lotions and lip balms in the US. So that's like USA made. So for them, the manufacturing side isn't necessarily where we should be focusing. It might be mm. in, in the bottles or the materials that we're using. Uh, so yeah. it's more the sourcing side. Uh, and then for companies like uh, uh, Oregordio and uh, then like those are long lasting heavy use products. So we're not as worried about the disposal. We should care, but you know, that's not as important as say right. like a, a hub or a, a, a product, products that are kind of thrown away more, more readily, mm-hmm. uh, more disposable yeah. products. So, so I'd say, um, uh, yeah, so we're, we're kind of, and, and as you know as well, it, it's really down to every single department, every single individual, really, to like think about how how you can make it a little bit uh, better. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'd say uh, I'm personally working on something that I'm really excited to share with the promo world. I mean, for January to really help us talk about sustainability uh, to end users uh, in a better way. Because I um, very cool. I, I, I met with, well, we'll get this from the sales team. They'll sort of say, give me a flyer with uh, our sustainable products on them. And you're kind of like, well, are you ready for this lecture where I go through LTA? <laughs> and, you know, and like, no, I just want the bamboo ones, you know, and it's like, right. <laughs> you know, right. and, and, or the wheat straw ones. And the wheat straw is like an interesting example because the wheat straw is taking a waste product, this wheat stuff, and they're making a composite product with a polymer. So you can say, okay, at the, at the sourcing phase, great, you're diverting a waste stream. But at the end of life, you can't recycle that or biodegrade that. That's, that's now a problem at the use phase. So yeah. uh, so net, you can say, yeah, sure, it's sustainable, but you know, it's not it's not great. There are better ways to do that. But we have wheat straw right. stuff. So, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it's, it's a complex problem, and I'm trying to figure out a way to make it easier to talk about uh, it, yeah. uh, without getting too, uh, you know, throwing too much jargon at people or be too esoteric. Yeah. So what's the space? I can't wait to see that. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah I really can't wait to see that in January. Let's talk a little bit about tech because tech is not just a big topic because we're a tech company. Tech is just the most critical topic facing our future uh, along with sustainability now more than ever. How is HPG investing in tech and what different ways are you seeing a progressive company like HPG invest? Yeah, I think I think tech is tech is um, automation and data. Like those are the you know you know, think of tech as like the big overarching thing, but really it's about automation and data. So HPG is investing in both. So on the uh, automation side, that's where we built these apps that you can upload a logo in any format and it will put it on a product instantly. So if you check out Storyboard Plus, that's a good example of automation. Uh, or catalog plus you upload any logo and it puts on every product on every page of that catalog. Uh, and then on the data side, uh, HPG is a good, you know, we really need to figure this out and we've made a ton of good progress on it where we've got all these different data sets and different ERPs and then we need to kind of get them all in one place 
in a clean way and then take advantage of having all of this data from different places. So, um, so yeah, so I think that um, HPG is definitely prioritizing it and we're doing lots of exciting things there. And uh, every year we hope we can, you know, build more tools and assets that help distributors. That's really where we are focusing uh, on yeah. efforts. Um, speaking of, uh, I know you've been working intensely with our team. How important is product data, product order data, and seamless production and promo standards for a supplier? How crucial is that? I think, yeah, it's definitely crucial. Um, uh, yeah, because consistency is key. You don't want to have to keep double checking the pricing before you quote. And uh, yeah, and, and this game, this game is all this promo game is all about speed. So while someone's like, yeah, I'm kind of interested in buying a hundred totes or whatever you need to be right in there well here's your logo on it you want it yes okay they're going to be here tomorrow uh so uh yeah it's definitely um uh definitely very important and uh yeah. something that we talk about regularly going back to your marketing team and structure and branding and like what marketing tech do you and your team use like what's in your toolbox for getting things done yeah, we, we lean on asana a lot that really helps with the uh, project management and just coordination uh, that kind of thing, and then we use Active Campaign for email and some automation stuff there, and um, you know, Hootsuite for social because we've got so many social accounts and can manage that for price. And um, uh, yeah, that's probably about that's probably yeah, that's probably about and obviously kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Ben. Tell me about your background. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? Yeah, Bristol in the UK, and. Uh, uh, is where I grew up, and then I went to London, uh, Brunel University, for um, uh, industrial and industrial design, and um, I did a, I did a it's called a sandwich course. My third year, I got to go study abroad, and I went to San Francisco, and that's where I met my wife, and she moved over, and uh, then we moved back together. So that's uh, that's how I ended up here. But yeah, Bristol's great. I mean, Bristol. Uh, I highly recommend it's west of London a couple hours and um, that's where Banksy's from and Brunel who was you know Brunel's like so, sort of all not, uh, unknown but he was like the Elon Musk of the industrial revolution like railways and suspension bridges yeah. and all sorts of things came out of that mind uh, so yeah. Bristol's a really cool city to grow up in that's very cool well that must have impacted you studying industrial design I know you alluded, you talked about it a little bit earlier how's that helped you in your role where you're at today Industrial design is really a blend of art and science, and marketing is just like that, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, so, good uh, point. And uh, I'd say um, a lot of it is human-centered design. So that, that's, that's so. If you work at industrial design consultancy, you could be working for a pet company or a tech company or a bag company. It doesn't really matter. And your goal is to kind of look, go in with a fresh pair of eyes, get your head inside of the problem, take ego out of it, and then figure it figure out like. A way of innovating in a, in a new way so um uh, so, so yeah so it's been extremely helpful uh in that regard and now the other thing i'll say is the degree like is it wasn't uh, an easy ride uh and we were learning fluid mechanics and art and drawing and photoshop and you know uh electronics and you know programming electronics and all those sorts of things at the same time so at the end of it i definitely felt like more confident in learning new things so when it came to yeah. Yeah. building websites i was like i can figure that out and you know right so you, you get more confidence in yourself you can learn new things that's a great benefit um who are some of the mentors and brands or people that inspire you 
uh, it's kind of cheesy, but my dad is, is definitely one. Like he, he's like much smarter than me. And uh, he was a Cambridge engineer grad and worked on cloud chambers that, you know, for elect uh, particle colliders and he was at HP for a forever. And he's just got uh, a ton of wisdom, like business wisdom. And, yeah, so he's, he's definitely a great mentor for me. And, and then when it came to joining HPG, you know, Jason Lukash hired me. So in terms of, uh, you know, getting through the industry, like it doesn't get much better than that. And we're still mates and come by the office every now and then. And or, or, yeah, it's just got amazing instincts. And, uh, so I say he, him and then Chris Anderson too, as I said, like it's always great just to get like an hour alone with Chris just to talk. And, uh, uh, so yeah, so I'd say those are a few and. I've been lucky. I've been lucky to keep in touch with all the CEOs of the, of the companies I've worked with, and feel like I've got a good counsel if I have questions for things. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. So, uh, what do you enjoy most about your role there at HPG now? I genuinely mean this. Just working with our team. Uh, I don't want that to seem like too cheesy or something, but we really have a nice, passionate, hardworking bunch, and that they're good at their job. So when you come to work, especially if you're leading the team. It's great to be like, hey, can you come up with something? And they just exceed expectations. And uh, yeah. and um, I sometimes works really hard and intense here, and and, uh, and we've never had arguments, and there's no bad apples. It's just great. So I'd say, uh, uh, so yeah, so that's probably my highlight. That's pretty cool. What um, I always like to ask this question because it gives us a glimpse into your world, but what's on your desk right now in terms of priorities? Oh, I'm working on the sustainability stuff. We've got PPAI 2023 around the corner, so I'm trying to figure that out. Holiday yeah. season is uh, kind of crazy, so we've got uh, that, and we're bringing out a new edition of Video Plus. Uh, uh, so those are all things that I'm um, working on right now. I have a much longer list than that, but there's probably the, <laughs> the right. thing. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. Um, tell us a little bit more about you. What do you enjoy when you're doing when you're not working? Um, I've got two two young boys and a lovely wife. So uh, two, when they're this young, that's kind of all my time. But um, if I do get a bit of time for myself, I really like I really like all kinds of design. So I'm doing like I'm building a wall, but it's like needlessly complicated. I'm building electronics into it. So I figure out I don't really know what I'm doing, but I like doing that. And uh, I'm learning uh, uh, like I'll get with three D printing now. You can design things and just get them ship to you so i'll do that and uh, i'm trying to redesign our house when i miraculously have enough money to you know do, do all those so i kind of do fantasy uh fantasy drawing of the rooms and rethinking how i've knocked down walls and all that good stuff so um all your hobbies are so much smarter than mine i just have to tell you that that's uh that's brilliant um <laughs> okay, that helps. Thanks. You just made yourself human. The industrial designer just became human there. Um, given your experience as a marketing professional, here's my last question. I'm curious where you think our industry can do better when it comes to marketing. How would you advise either a startup supplier or, and I want to hear your comment on distributors too, to do exceptional marketing that matters? Um, well, for, I, I do think that uh, uh, I've seen companies not be very tactical. So they'll sort of like, well, we need a campaign. Oh, this will be cool. But then they don't then connect the dot into like, what, what's the purpose of this? Are we going to try and build our email list? Are we going to try and gain a bunch of followers? Are we going to, you know, sell a bunch of self promos? Like what are, what are we trying to do here? Uh, and, and make sure that question is always a reference for the next campaign. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say, um, the other thing is, I think you need to know 
it just goes for any business really, but especially with marketing, you think about who you are and why, why your audience values you and keep checking in on that because you, you need to kind of um, differentiate yourself, but without losing sight of uh, what your customers are looking for uh, from you. Uh, so yeah, so you need to be distinctive, but also uh, don't forget the value and uh, yeah. And I think Commerce Q is a absolutely amazing uh, brand and business because you've just kind of, you know who you are. You have Bobby looking after content and doing such an amazing job with her. Yeah, I, mean, I just think it's really great that you guys hired head of content and then you recognize, I think it's genius. And you, the, the platform uh, is beautiful too. The, the idea that you're not, not necessarily just searching for everything all the time, but you're using the community to help filter things down. I think just is so clever too. And I, I think you can just learn a lot from CommonSkew uh, and just do what they did. Uh, thank uh, you. Thank you for that, Ben. Appreciate that, my friend. Hey, I've enjoyed this. And you and I had a, a nice conversation before this um, where I just really enjoyed hanging out with you. And what you and Chris and Trina and the gang are doing there at HPG is really, really impressive. Um, and it takes a lot of work to build a big brand that is also very personable, real, practical, and inspiring. And you guys have done a great job. So thanks for joining me today, my friend. Thanks so much, Bobby. Absolute pleasure. Hopefully I'll see you at uh, one of the events soon. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening. Thank you.